So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started um, that's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And, uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Welcome to season two of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. In these episodes, we share international stories about the pandemic around the world, what it looks like in everyday lives, as well as what it looks like from the eyes of researchers and professionals who work on the pandemic, on controlling the pandemic. This podcast is designed for information to be translatable. This podcast is designed to translate information from epidemiologists, emergency medical professionals, and those who do work on the front lines with the pandemic firsthand in everyday living and what it looks like in everyday family culture as an individual just living on planet Earth during this time. In these episodes, you will learn more about the pandemic and how to protect yourselves and others during this historic moment. COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture is proud to be a member of the Public Health Podcast Network. The Public Health Podcast Network is a community. It is a group of podcasters and public health professionals getting together out there to learn more about the power of podcasting for public health, to build your career, and also to build public health, health outcomes, and improve the conditions of the world. Community Global and environmental health. For more information, check out publichealthpodcasters.com. Welcome to COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm your host, Dr. Moreno. And today we're talking about the COVID-19 new guidance from the CDC, in addition to some of the things that public health is responsible for and some of the things that they have not been responsible for, perhaps a little bit more on some of the limitations of public health agencies and where other types of organizations can get involved to help during this pandemic. So we're talking about basically organizational culture as it relates to public health today. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is the update for July 27th. That was a few days ago with the new guidelines from the CDC. What I find most interesting is that anytime I talk about the pandemic um, and even talk about recommendations and, and procedures, protective measures, the CDC 
often pops up as a message, a place where people need to go before they even look at my post, which is okay, totally fine. The thing is the CDC and their messaging has had some limitations. And we have seen that even with some of the staff they're leaving. And actually that's probably another topic for another day where you know, a lot of public health staff have been quitting the agencies that they work for. And so that's probably another day, public health staff departures. Um, so I'll talk about that maybe a little today, but we'll see about the major exodus I'm seeing here in ABC News. And that's just like from February. Anyways, so the CDC recently gave these new guidelines about the fully vaccinated and in response to the Delta variant. And I will use the word response and um, in reaction to the Delta variant. And I will talk a little bit more about this choice of words, response and reaction to things in the United States. So the recommendation was added for fully vaccinated people to wear a mask in public indoor settings in areas of substantial or high transmission. And if you uh, take a look at some of the uh, show notes, I will be showing you some of the information and sources of what I am referring to. So there are some GIS maps in the data tracker even that show you where the high levels of community spread are located. And uh, for example, here in San Diego, we have a high level of transmission at the moment. And the other guideline that they've said here with the CDC website is that fully vaccinated people might choose to wear a mask regardless of that level of transmission geographically, particularly if they are immunocompromised or at increased risk of severe disease, or if they know someone in their household who is immunocompromised. So um, I'm speaking on behalf of the immunocompromised. I am one of them living with an autoimmune condition and on disease modifying drugs uh, that do impact the immune system. So we don't know the full detail of what that looks like. For example, I've got friends who are in the lupus community. They're seeing that they don't have antibodies uh, even after the second dose of the vaccine. So there are a lot of conversations that are still pending and still need to be had about the whether the significance of antibodies in the system have anything to do with protection against COVID specifically, but there's a lot there that we are still learning as it relates to immunocompromised autoimmune patients, for example. So yeah, I wear a mask indoors. I wear a mask even outdoors and I do get, com I get comments. I'm told that, you know, I'm being living in fear, living uh, with too much caution, but you know, What's wrong with more caution than less caution when you work in the field of public health and when you care about people and not spreading the disease? So they also added a recommendation at the CDC for fully vaccinated people who have a known exposure to someone to be tested three to five days after exposure and wear a mask for 14 days until they receive that negative result. They also recommend universal indoor masking for all teachers, staff, students, anyone who goes to schools, regardless of vaccination status. So that's there. And the other thing I wanted to talk about is some of the breakthrough cases. So as we look at Delta, we have some concerns about 
these breakthrough cases. And personally, I know a few people already who have contracted COVID despite having that second dose. And there was never any promise that you would not get COVID with the pandemic, with the vaccine. It is just to reduce the severity of COVID if you were to contract it. The other thing that people are not quite talking enough about is that you could be asymptomatic and you could still spread the disease. You could still spread that virus. So it is a concern. Wearing that mask helps you and helps other people. So here, this is uh, what led to the new mask guidelines from the CDC. And it has to do with the fact that vaccinated people can spread this virus. So I was recently at a therapy appointment for my health and someone told me they were at this fully booked stadium for baseball and no one was wearing a mask. And so I don't know if she had a mask or not. And after that, I was really uncomfortable because um, I was getting a healthcare uh, therapy appointment and she was really close to me and, and it was like an hour long in an enclosed space. And so after that, I was just really uncomfortable and I canceled all my future appointments for the time being because of the fact that it's not talked about, but even if she doesn't have symptoms, it is possible that she could be spreading this. She didn't get tested. She knows for a fact that she was in a potential super, super spreader location event. People weren't getting their masks. You don't know who has been vaccinated or not vaccinated. And we're talking about several, many, several thousands of people in an enclosed space. So it's just really um, uncomfortable. And this was about two weeks ago. And just around that time, surprise, surprise, we have these new uh, community spread locations. And, and this region is actually one of the high community spread geographic zones. So I was not surprised. I don't know what it takes for places like the CDC and other locations to stop relaxing guidelines when people are not vaccinated fully, when there are kids who are not vaccinated. I just don't understand the logic. So that's what's going on here. So we have breakthrough infections that led to this new mass guidance. And I will share some of those new stories in the show notes as well about the breakthrough cases and breakthrough referring to people getting sick, even though they're fully vaccinated. Okay, so that's what's going on. And then let's talk about children. So in South Florida, there's a story about high level of new cases in children. 17 children are currently hospitalized in a hospital in South Florida. One of them is on a ventilator. So, you know, there are so many conversations out there in the street that children don't get sick from COVID. And we've seen plenty of cases where in Southern California, high school students have died from COVID. Um, there are kids who are hospitalized. So that is still a concern. And we still don't have that vaccine available for kids under, is it 12 at the moment? So elementary school age kids are not able to get this for the most part. And even the younger kids are not able to. However, there are hospitalizations happening in in particular, what they're talking about South Florida that they're hearing about. So then the next thing I wanted to talk about is public health guidance 
and its limitations. So public health agencies are what we know of even before that. I think to the lay public, there's still an um, unclear understanding of what public health is and isn't. And public health, more specifically, is about the health of an entire geographic region. It is the health of a community. It is the health of a country. It's the health of an entire geographic population. When we're talking about literal hospital MD healthcare, we're just looking particularly at a group of patients that that hospital or that doctor serves. So it's much more micro when you talk about medical care. When you're talking about public health, it is a different field of study. And I mentioned this in a past episode, some MDs pursue the MPH, the Masters of Public Health. Not all of them do. So not all physicians are familiar with the concepts of geographically related public health, epidemiology, biostats, and so on. Not necessarily are these things required in a medical degree. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. The physician does not necessarily do the work of public health. They are more micro, they're more individual care for a specific group of people that go to their hospital. Public health, taking into consideration an entire region. So when we're looking at you know, public health agencies, those are things like the World Health Organization, the CDC. They are things like your healthcare system. CDPH is the California Department of Public Health, for example. So every state has its own public health department. And then you've got county level, and then you've got some regional ones. We've got Long Beach and Pasadena here. We've got San Francisco. They do city, city and state. So there are these different locations. I know Chicago has its own city level public health agency as well. And then they've got the state of Illinois, public health, and so on. So these are your agencies that take care of an entire geographic population. And then we've got um, some of the, the county level, right? We've got county, city, and so on. But there is a lot of limitation there in terms of the pandemic. You know, it just caused us to be really behind the trajectory of the virus. So everything, when we look at the pandemic, we look at it in terms of two-week spaces of time. People can be in one location and feel just fine, be partying, spending time gathering, and not knowing anything about that until up to two weeks. Could be sooner, could be less time, but up to two weeks after that is when we start to see that information show up in the stats, when we start to see those reports of what's going on and those hospital uh, appointments, uh, hospital stays, and so on. So it does take some time. There's a time lag in terms of infection and reporting even. So what we're seeing is that public health agencies, and these are you know government agencies, they have this time lag, and it is not conducive to preventing the pandemic, unfortunately. And that's kind of what we're stuck with. So we know uh, not too long ago that our governor uh, reduced the uh, restrictions on masking. People were able to just go in the honor system, going into these restaurants and things and uh, us trusting, uh, supposed to be trusting people that they were vaccinated or not and wearing a mask or not. And that ended badly, which was not a surprise at all. 
And so here we are with this, um, you know, local spread in different regions. So we are reactive in public health government. So for the most part, when we talk about public health, it does tend to be a government conversation. It does tend to be a conversation about working in a county, state, whatever jurisdictional office. And that is going to lead us to these lags in responding to this pandemic. And responding is not what we really want to do right now. We have enough information at this point to know how the virus works, how it spreads, uh, the different patterns. We know that it's airborne, and that's not enough of a conversation. Going to a hotel and hearing that they clean all the surfaces is not sufficient. I need to know about ventilation. I need to know how the air conditioning is being handled and run. So that is the concern. We aren't having these conversations still. Ventilation is what matters most. And so anyways, these agencies tend to have a lot of um, tax funding, right? So that kind of leads it to become a little bit um, even compromised in terms of the way they approach certain things. So there is politics involved in agency work. So we talk about public health not being political. We talk about how, for example, the American Public Health Association, the work that they do, which is a nonprofit, by the way, we'll talk about that next. But the work that these government agencies do is unfortunately, unfortunately political because it is using the funding of our citizens. So the opinions of our citizens are going to make an impact on the decisions that our agencies can make, unfortunately. So we are compromised when it comes to public health agency work. It is political. They have to work with public opinion and they have to navigate these competing values. But there are definitely competing values involved as it relates to decisions that the public is making. And it's one of the very first 101 classes that we take in public administration. And this is where we talk about how to work with government and how to navigate the different opinions and priorities and managing that to create effective programs. So public health agencies are stuck in a way. There's a lack of funding in public health and there's also a lack of support in many cases in public health work. So that makes it a little bit compromised. I remember the day that the spread, the first reports of COVID in our communities and our local chief medical health officer, public health officer says, well, there's no evidence of community spread, so we're okay. And that is a huge problem because you don't know that until two weeks from now. You cannot say there's no community spread. Of course, you're not going to see it yet until it's too late that they were relying on what they see. Everything in this pandemic that you're looking at happened at least two weeks ago. So we are looking at what I'm calling proactive versus reactive leadership. We're looking at a lot of reactive planning, reactive responses to this pandemic. That is not going to work. Reactive leadership is where you're looking at what's happening right now and you're just responding after the fact 
to make the decision on what to do. And that's what the CDC is currently doing. There are people who, um, with very well-known podcasts, uh, spokespeople in these agencies where they're like, well, CDC is doing their job. You know, they needed to see the data first. No, when it comes to this pandemic, you're looking at data that has already happened two weeks ago. And now that spread is even worse. So what you're looking at is already old news. It's so much more spread now. And responding to this now, it's, it's already too late. You're responding to old data. You know, someone said, yeah, CDC is doing their job. Okay, then that's their job. Their job is to be reactive. And that's not going to work when you talk about prevention. Let's see you be more proactive to this pandemic. And I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know if that's in the culture, to be honest, in a government agency that is tax funded. I don't know if they can be proactive. Um, And then, of course, with the political climate, a very strong political climate as it relates to mask wearing, things like that. So I think that other organizations are going to have to get involved here as we try to control this pandemic. What is the future going to look like? We have theta coming. We have another variant to look at. So this pandemic, this virus is, it's very, it's, it's a great case of Darwinism. It's an extreme case of Darwinism where this, pan, where this virus is able to adapt very quickly to become more of a spread. It has a quicker spread, quicker um, R0, And then also it is more severe. So it's just doing its thing at a very quick pace. And we're dealing with this thing all over the world. How are we going to answer to this? How are we going to fix this? So I propose uh, in my theory that it's not going to be the public health agency. It's not the traditional public health agency that's going to solve this pandemic, unfortunately. It's going to be the work of university researchers, scientists, researchers, and also the nonprofit sector. So this is where we have more opportunity to voice the concerns. You know, we have nonprofits that like marked by COVID where people are sharing their concerns about what's happening with their own family and their relatives, the power of story, right? The power of individuals firsthand telling you what's going on versus at the high level, agency level, that's saying, oh no, there's no community spread. However, we're seeing evidence um, almost, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you know someone who has been infected with COVID after getting the vaccine. These are those breakthrough cases, right? So I think it's the work of the university researchers. The research is gonna tell you something, right? The research is, is being done right now. And we're looking at how those variants look, what they're doing. We have that information. I think it's gonna be the work of the university and it's gonna be the work of nonprofit organizations to control this pandemic, um, good or bad, you know, funded or not funded. I don't know what it's going to look like, but these other agencies are just, they're not there. They're two weeks behind. So that is about public health guidance and its limitations in this episode of COVID-19, public health policy and culture. You have the power. If you work in grassroots, you work in 
community work, if you work in public health, what I'm potentially calling the new public health, which is that focus on nonprofit work versus agencies because they are behind the times as it relates to this pandemic and global warming and all these things that are happening out there. I don't know who else is going to get it done except the grassroots. So grassroots and researchers, let's work together to make sure that we can get the answers and get down to stopping this pandemic.